Hi, and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast about people with remarkable stories of resilience, as well as experts in the field, along with myself, who share tips, strategies, and resources to help you power up your mental well-being. You can support our work by leaving a review or donating on our site, which is at qedod.com. You can also purchase our resources, including the imaginatively titled series of books, Resilience Unraveled, Leadership Unraveled, Management Unraveled, and Anxiety Unraveled at qedod.com forward slash extras. Free resources are also available on that page at qedod.com forward slash extras. Enough chat, let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And it's a gloomy day in Britain, but I'm being cheered up by the sunny smile of Dr. Friedman Schaub, who's, I don't know if he's standing or sitting in front of me, but he's certainly appearing in front of me in all majesty. So good afternoon, Friedman. How the devil are you? I am very good. Thank you. High level of happiness, as I just stated. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, well, tell us a little bit about, where, first of all, where in the world are you? I'm in the south of France and, uh, yeah, enjoying my life in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And happy to be connected to you now. Very good indeed. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself, because you don't sound French. I'm suspecting there's, a, a, there's an intriguing history. Well, I am born as a German lived in the US for almost 20 years, then 10 years ago came to France. And now I don't know what I am, but <laughs> I am here at least. Uh, well, if you want to know more about my journey, uh, as uh, I'm now also talking about my work, I was a physician originally, uh, specializing in cardiology, then I got um, moved to Seattle, Washington to do a postdoc. And I have to say that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I realized I don't really like being a physician in a big hospital where people are just treated like numbers. And uh, for a while, at least, I really enjoyed going into the depth of each and every cell of us and learning more about the miracles that happen within. So I got then a degree in molecular biology. And uh, after Again, almost 10 years, I decided, no, that's not really what I want to do either, because I like to work with people and I want to help them, but I want them to help themselves. And I want to help people to tap into that, what I discovered or saw more clearly in molecular biology, which is this self-healing capacity that we all have. Right. And how to get there was then the next episode of my journey and this is when i got specialized more into the mind body connection into now, the subconscious mind etc very good now i meet a lot of people on this podcast and and uh they talk about mind body and they and they head into the realms of woo woo if you know what i mean by that sort of soft fluffy make it up as you go along but i'm hoping you as a scientist have actually got some some um provenance for the the mind body spirit thing i mean i'm i'm with you um i i agree with you i'm, I'm into self-healing but um um but with caveats and warnings and such like of suitable suitable things but so so tell me your your, your stance on mind body healing well basically i believe that a lot of what causes illness are our thoughts and our emotions and this is something i saw all the time 
in as a physician that people are stressed, people are anxious, people feel, you know, trapped just entering the hospital, which is not very conducive to healing. But as physicians, you don't really have the, the means or the time to, to help them to get more to the root of also their high blood pressure, which we know is very related to stress or high cholesterol, which can also then lead to heart issues. And so I believe that we can do a lot simply by balancing our mind, by balancing our emotions, by overcoming anxiety and all those things. And uh, there are also ways to stimulate more our innate healing by being more on a place where we actually want to get well. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but I tell you, I had clients that told me, I know why I have cancer. Mm. I have cancer because I don't want to live anymore. And that's the best way out. And so that's the power that we have to can create disease. And if we can create disease, we certainly can also help us healing the disease. And, and that is something where we have to be more empowered and less relying just on the doctor and the pills. Yes, and, and I, I totally buy that. And I buy that their self-healing is part of a, a holistic package that sometimes does involve pills and sometimes it doesn't involve pills. But there's there's definitely a correlation between good diet, positive mental attitude, and you know, well general wellness. Um and I think I think that's indisputable these days. The, pro the problem seems to be uh, there's a lot of people who don't believe it. Uh, and there's a lot of people who, um, if they do believe it, don't know how to achieve it. So so where, where, where do you start with that? Well, I feel that, uh, you know, when I was um, thinking back, uh, my head of the department, he didn't believe that stress was related to illness. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years, it's very clear that, you know, 70% of uh, doctor visits are stress-related illnesses, whether it's, uh, you know, autoimmune diseases or chronic pain, etc. So I think, you know, medicine often catches up. But uh, my approach is not necessarily to also put negative labels on our emotions like anxiety or stress and basically now chase those things with uh, with pills or you know, any kind of diagnosis, I, I think we have to really go always a little bit deeper and, and see ourselves more as well, we have been evolving since hundreds of thousands of years. So I mean, there is a reason why anxiety has been staying with us. We probably had this in the caves already. There is a reason why stress is a survival mechanism, which is also evolutionary preserved. We just don't really necessarily know how to respond to those emotions and to understand why they're there in the first place and why we're creating them and how to uncreate them. And this is when I really got interested in getting out of the head, the conscious mind and getting more into this subconscious ominous part of the mind and, and learning more how to work with that, which I think that's where a lot of the power resides. But, but you make an interesting point, which is that anxiety is totally useful because it has a, a purpose otherwise it would have been self-selected to be just the the connotation that stress is all evil and terrible is a terrible thing it's just a physical response which becomes from you stress into distress and we've forgotten those words we've forgotten that it's a physical process a physical manifestation rather than you know an anxiety rather it is a feature of anxiety not the other way around um, yeah and it is interesting isn't it how um and I was talking to someone quite recently who um, had been using um, um, the, the opposite approach. So they, we, we're discovering over this part of the world, you know, that 
the vast majority of female mental health issues, anxiety, stress, whatever it might be, are to do with perimenopausal and menopausal situations. And, 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 the, and the budget in the NHS is now going on HRT. So for me, it's about using the appropriate medication or the using the appropriate approach in a, in a truly holistic way. I mean, there are drugs that you should never take, but, um, you know, there are, you know, people are now looking at some microdoses of, you know, hallucinogenics and psycho, you know, those sorts of drugs. Everything has its place, isn't it? That's natural in the world. And I think it's interesting that some of the things you've talked about are natural, that they've just gone out of your word. They've gone out of balance, haven't they? That seems to be the issue. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to medication or any kind of forms of uh, you know treatments the problem is just that i found when people do take medication they don't necessarily change the things that need to change like their beliefs their thinking patterns their you know behavioral patterns so medication gives you a nice relief and it certainly changes your brain chemistry but it doesn't teach you how to navigate through life in a more balanced or empowered way. And those are the things that are really important. And there were studies that showed that unfortunately, with the rise of medication, people went less to do the work, went less to go to, you know, therapists or coaches because they rely more on that pill. And and I think that, you know, the numbers that are rising in anxiety and how it becomes more and more an epidemic and also leads more and more to depression shows you this is not enough. We cannot just drug ourselves. We have to learn to navigate with our emotions. And well, you and I certainly haven't learned this from our parents. I mean, I assume or in school or anything like this, we are kind of left on our own with our emotions, having to figure it out. And often we are seeing our parents reacting to, you know, their insecurities with anger or their anxiety with over worry. And and then we pick up those patterns and repeat them, but it's not really helpful. And so and, and, teaching and people... Uh -huh. Go ahead, and there's, sorry. Two, there's two issues that come from here. One, which is Jung's idea of the collective unconscious, and that I and that actually we sort of uh, we're all infecting each other with anxiety, because I think that's fascinating. But also it says something about the way we have treated people with things like anxiety, that it has got worse. I mean, catastrophic numbers and mental health issues before COVID and even worse, and yet we're still using the same approaches. Going to the doctor and getting SSRIs for anti-depression, you know, it isn't the solution. And maybe it may hold you for a month, but it isn't the answer, is it? And I think I like what you're saying here. You've got to you've got to do the work that makes the change, because actually just you know dousing people with a, effectively a, 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 a trance state isn't useful for anybody. So, so where mean, do you where do you start assessing people's balance? You uh, where where will you start with your process? Well, I mean, most people that come to me do deal with anxiety or you know some self sabotaging patterns or just a general general sense of feeling you know stuck in their emotions. And so, what I'm really interested in is always the root cause. Where does this start? You know, of course, we have to look at the current symptoms, but. The, the thought is really, you know, there is usually something like a learned behavior. There are some root causes. And especially when it's anxiety, I find there is certainly what happened to us in the past. Yeah, it's so interesting when people tell me right from the start, you know what, I don't want to go into my childhood because everything was fine. Yeah. 
And then when we dig a little bit deeper, because I can't resist, then we find out, yes, everything was fine, but your father also told you, you are so smart, you can just be a better version than myself. And that put so much stress and pressure on that person that every time they did something, it brought up this fear of failure and disappointing the dead. And, and that's a red line that was creating more and more anxiety in their life. So we have to really dig in and look into the past. We have to also understand that we often are not whole beings. You know, we are constantly fighting with each other inside of ourselves. There is a part of us that may feel very ambitious and outgoing and, you know, going also for greater and uh, further goals. And then there is a part that may feel totally insecure. And that part of us may always somehow hold us back, make us procrastinate, make us self-doubt, the inner critic. So understanding also that we are not necessarily dealing with just one version of ourselves, but that there are different aspects that we have to bring in line. And then, of course, what I'm also interested in is our belief systems. What do you really believe? And I'm the best example because for many, many years, based on some childhood uh, experiences, I believed I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Well, as a way to compensate for this, you know, I was just reaching for the stars. Two doctorates later, two books later, and whatever, I still felt not smart enough because I was never replacing the belief. I was chasing the belief by trying to outperform it. But it doesn't really change anything because a belief needs to be changed in really in order to make a difference. We cannot just rely on reacting to our beliefs or emotions. We have to replace them. Oh, well, oh, we have to accept them because actually they've made you extremely excess successful. And yeah, but also stressed out. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I think but I think we do spend a lot of time in therapy changing people rather than recognize that self-acceptance thing is saying well hey it got it got you to where you are it might not be useful anymore but, it, but i do think we we when we're changing beliefs we often sort of demonize the previous belief and actually you couldn't be the person you are today without the, the pre-existing belief i very it. much agree with that totally and i think there is an, an owner's manual that you know got us to the point where we are realizing it's no longer working for me and you know looking back at myself I knew this owner's manual is not working for me when I had unhealthy compensatory patterns of eating too much, drinking too much, smoking too much. And pretty much when I went to a party introducing myself as doctor, because I had no personality, no sense of self, and all I could see was just my work and my successes. And that was simply getting me into a crisis until I woke up with panic attacks and I realized something got a gift. This is yeah. not who I'm supposed to be, or at least not the happy version of myself. And I was an English person. I <laughs> would have gone to the party and introduced yourself as Dr. Doctor. <laughs> that's our sense of humor, as you know. <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, joking aside, maybe I'll cut that out. Well, look, so I love everything you're saying. I think it makes so much, um, you know, so much sense. So you've written a book called The Empowerment Solution. So um, why that title? Well, the first book was called The Fear and Anxiety Solution. So it lends, you know, the solution. I think the third book is going to be just called The Solution. Okay. Not the final solution, I hope. Yeah, the final solution. <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, it's uh, the solution was basically because we're, we're really looking for something 
that so many people are feeling, which is disempowered. I mean, you know, not only during COVID, but also the before, the sense of disempowerment is something that I would say 80% of my clients have been feeling. And they're disempowered with their emotions, with their circumstances, all of those things. So then, so then they need to be empowered from themselves. Well, they need to be empowered in a way that they feel like that life is not done to them, but that they are actually creating their life, that they are not any longer stuck in these, you know, patterns of self-sabotage, but that they have more choices and ways to turn this around. So self-empowerment is not that you have power over something, but that you're empowered enough to choose your direction or to have the resilience to deal with the circumstances that you cannot change. Yes. I mean, it seems to be very based on positive psychology, which is a, a great thing, obviously, very proven. You know, it is also positive. very much based on conscious subconscious uh, collaboration, which basically means that we are bringing our conscious intellectual mind yeah. into alignment with our subconscious. See, a lot of those patterns, you know, let's say, for example, procrastination, which is one of the survival patterns I talk about. Who wants to procrastinate? Who feels to be you know, I feel really good. I procrastinated six hours today watching YouTube. No, everyone feels ashamed, doesn't want to talk about it, calls themselves lazy. But somehow the next day they do exactly the same thing. That is not a conscious decision. That's a subconscious decision that we just feel powerless uh, to override. So how do you turn this into actually something empowering? This is what the book describes. You know, how can you understand why you procrastinate in the first place? And then how can you create new patterns that your subconscious doesn't any longer use procrastination to protect you, which ultimately this is all about, protect you from failure, protecting from being visible, protect you from discomfort, but seeing this more as you hurting yourself when you procrastinate rather than helping yourself. And there are certain steps that, you know, use the language of the subconscious to make that new way of thinking and feeling clear and and that's where it's not just positive psychology it's really like a a step-by-step -step, you could say rewiring reprogramming of your subconscious self-defense so that it switches from surviving into more thriving for lack of a better word so so what's the language of the subconscious well, it's basically emotions. So any feeling is what the subconscious understands. It understands visualizations, you know, these especially imaginations, sensations. If we can put ourselves into, let's say, your beach, uh, and I could imagine myself there laying down the waves, splashing over me, the wind, you know, nicely caressing my face, I would be there. And that's only the subconscious doing it. But if I would tell myself this without any visualization, any feeling, any sensation, the subconscious would just see words and doesn't really care about it. And so that's what often is a problem when we use, you know, affirmations or forcing ourselves to think positively, but we don't really feel it. We don't really feel the positivity or we don't really feel the compassion for ourselves or anything like that. Right. It just stays here and it doesn't go deeper. Yes. So you sort of the, the, that's the mind-body connection. You're looking for the emotional affect in the in the body. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So um, so I've just been rampaging around your site. Not when you were talking, obviously, because I was giving you full <laughs> attention. <laughs> but you've got some very interesting 
free resources on your site. Normally I ask people uh, how you find you and find out more information, but um, you've got some very useful tools. Which, uh, um, and I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about um, the patterns resolution process, because that's very interesting. Yeah, that's something that I described in the in the, my first book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution. It's what I you know love about the pattern resolution process is basically it shows you that your past is not written in stone. It's not something that you know you would have to say it's hanging over you like the Damocles sword for the rest of your life. It's all a matter of our perception. And we know that, you know, you'd say you had a big disappointment because your friend didn't call you on your birthday. And usually, you know, this friend is always there and, and you actually feel mad. And then all of a sudden you realize, you know, after the friend calls you two days later, hey, I was in the hospital, I had an accident. Oh, of course you don't feel mad anymore. Everything is resolved. This is the same thing with all these anxiety events from the past. We can look at them whether it's abuse, whether it's neglect, whether we have messed up from a different perspective. And this is what the pattern resolution process teaches you. Look at yourself, not as that, you know, victim of your past, but how can you learn from the past? How can you see the nuggets of, of teachings those uh, events have brought you? And how can you then, using the language of the subconscious, find the resolution for these right. events it's almost like neutralizing what you see because you got what you needed to get yes and i'm guessing you when you talk to re referring about the balance of the subconscious earlier it is about getting that those emotional or those feelings uh the body sensations in in check really so they're working for you so that's the that's when you begin to thrive is that is that right and so the the cortisol release is reduced and the survival instinct sort of goes away yeah, and also your, you know, your impulses go away, this feeling of I need to immediately react with, you know, either avoiding something or blaming someone, or we also have the, the pleasing patterns where, you know, you are like this chameleon immediately when you feel like, oh, there is an alpha male in the room, I need to find out what I need to say, how do I need to, you know, talk with this person, what beliefs do I need to take on? And you completely abandon yourself. And that's, that's a knee-jerk reflex that when it's deeply ingrained, you know, feels like, well, that's who I am. But it's yeah. only a small part of you. It's not who you are, but yeah. keep you stuck. And, again, and of course, it's very useful until it's not. That's the, that's the thing about all these patterns. They are very useful, but they have two downsides. We heavily rely on others versus on ourselves. So that's kind of where, you know, we feel disempowered or we're giving our power away, whether we are feeling that we have to avoid people and keep them on arm's length, or whether we're feeling like they have to give us approval so that we can feel good about ourselves. It's very much about them, not about ourselves. And we are missing out and spending time with ourselves. You know, we're not asking questions on who am I? What do I want? What's my purpose? All of those really important questions to live a fulfilled life they go down by the wayside because it's all about just living in this mode. And yeah, we can live with this forever, but we will eventually find out that we have lived a smaller uh, life than we should, a smaller existence than was possible for us. Yeah. And and many people go through their lives in a small, happy existence. And you often find people who open themselves to self-development become extraordinarily miserable, don't they? So there's, there's <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not trying to joke here. It's this sense that you have to get through the hurdle, don't you? That 
you know it's a, it is about doing the work yeah you don't just you don't just hope it's going to work you actually have to do stuff don't you you have to apply yourself to to your own balance process now small is not necessarily bad so don't get me wrong i mean i'm living in the middle of the country where there are like you know 700 people in this town and you could say well most of them have never left so is that a small life small has nothing to do with you know your radius of moving on the world or through the world small is more could you be yourself or did you always have to suppress yourself? Did you always have to somehow, you know, make yourself a little bit more quiet or not really going for your dreams or not really expressing what your needs are? That's small. And so if you are living in a, you know, small town, you never leave, you have your same job, you are very happy with your family, but you feel like you're absolutely your happy, full expressed self, well, you are lucky. And you should definitely, you know, kiss the ground that you're walking on because yeah. that's pretty cool. This is the old story, isn't it, about the, the rich person seeing uh, someone sitting on the beach by a boat, sunning himself and saying, you know, you should sell your boat, uh, you should go and work. And then the person and you should hire the boat out and go and rent people and work 27 hours a day. And the person says, why? And then he said, so you can sit on the beach and enjoy yourself. <laughs> and there, there is something in that, isn't there? Yes, exactly. So, so Friedman, tell people how they can find out more about you and um, and sort of remind us about the book, its name and where you can find it. Well, to my website is always the best way to get started. It's uh, drfriedman.com, D-R-F-R-I-E-D-E-M-A-2-N.com. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel with the same name and uh, also my podcast, Empowerment Solutions, you can find on all Instagram, TikTok and so on. Uh, yeah, and the book is called The Empowerment Solution, and it can be found everywhere as well. But of course, Amazon always comes first to mind. Yeah. But I'm also Barnes and Nobles and local bookstores. And it will be soon as an audible version available too, with me as a narrator. Fantastic. And then the next, the next book coming soon, when, when is that one arriving? <laughs> I have no idea. It took me 10 years to get this one wow. out, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not the fastest that, when that, it comes to that. That procrastination thing, we should talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should better read my book again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what is it? All therapists are work in progress. That's why we do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's been a joy to talk to you today. Thank you so much. And that name again is uh, Dr. Friedman, drfriedman.com. All the notes, show notes will have all this information in and uh, hop onto Amazon for the book. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I think it's been brilliant. Well, I've certainly thoroughly enjoyed it myself. So uh, Me too. everybody else has too. <laughs> Me too, for sure. Thank you. Thanks for your time. You take care. Hi, thanks for listening. Hopefully that was a useful and interesting episode. As I said earlier, you can support our work by leaving a review, which does drive enhanced exposure. Or you can donate on our site, which is at qedod.com. You can purchase our series of books all about unravelling resilience, leadership, management and anxiety at qedod.com forward slash extras, along with some other free resources available on the site. We've also got a Patreon page and you, of course, can send us questions, ideas, thoughts, conversations and fresh subjects at info at qedod.com. Hopefully there's something there for you. Catch you next time around. <laughs>